We, however, had to cancel Valentine's Day at our house. Postpone it, would you say? Whenever you're all fluey and uh, sickly, you don't really want to be near each other, right? Um, I hope your week has been good. Uh, I am so thankful for all of you who helped with the REACH conference this past month. I hope that it has been good. Now, um, I'd like to say that it's over, but I'm not done yet. So it's not technically the conference anymore, but we still have two more Sundays that I want to talk about some things that I believe are, are very pivotal for our moving forward. And today, it's going, to, it's, it's, it's going to be good. God is good, and I believe that He has some things to share with us. So let's begin with prayer this morning. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for today and for, for bringing us together. I know this is not coincidence. Lord, I pray this morning that you would take away those things that may distract us. Lord, that you would help us to be all in today. And There are some moments when you kind of feel like you're just kind of torn in lots of different directions. And I pray this morning you would kind of focus us in together. I pray that you would help us to be... Um, off our phones, help us to be paying attention to one another as we exist here. Lord, this is an hour that we get to spend together. Help us not to waste it. Help us to give it a sacrifice to you. Lord, you're good. Thank you for allowing us the opportunity to meet and to sing and to have communion together. It's good. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, the last several weeks we've talked about what it means to live into our vision. You remember those three words? Are they up here? Let's all say it together. Reach up, reach in, and reach out. And if you don't know what we're talking about, it's online. So you can go look at it on our website. You can go to uh, uh, our iTunes, find our podcast. You can listen to all the sermons. And several of the classes are on there. But this is going to be our vision. People who are reaching up in worship. People who are reaching in, hopefully being together more. When we're together, we're fully present. We're paying attention to one another and helping one another. We're actually coming to church to be friendly and to find friends. That's what we want to be. And we're reaching out too. And I hope that this last week you have been intentionally thinking about people that come to your mind that you can pour your life into. Because there are people in your life, whether it's one, whether it's ten, at least you have one person who needs what this family of faith has to offer. So my hope is that you've been able to, to think of and identify who those people are because they need you. They need the God that is in you. And I hope that this has inspired that to start. So today we're going to talk about something a little different. Um, The next two Sundays we're going to talk about our budget. (laughs) If you wonder why we don't advertise these days, because a lot of you wouldn't have come. That's okay. It's all right. Um, (laughs) uh, This week we're going to talk a little bit about sacrifice. Next week we're going to talk about purpose. Two Sundays. We do it twice a year. Actually, once a year on two Sundays. But it's, it's, it's a big day. Because the way we go forward with those things that we hold on to is really, God's going to use that. He's going to use what we are able to give. A lot of times we think, oh, it'll happen. I think that He wants to work within this system, within this structure, within the people that are here and now, when we don't talk about giving a lot because it's a sensitive topic. It's a very sensitive topic. You know, some of you 
may not have come if you found out, but because it's difficult. And, you know, I had a, I had a preacher friend who talked about giving. And I had another friend who was kind of, he's on the fringes, and he, he kind of got irritated whenever my friend was preaching about giving because the, the question was asked him by some newer Christians, how much should I give? We really don't know. We're kind of new to this whole church thing. And so the preacher's answer was, okay, here's something very practical. If you're paying more for your car payment a month than you are for your tithe you're giving every month, you're probably not paying enough. I know some people are like, "Uh uh-oh. Some people are great. I don't have a car payment. I'm doing good. (laughs) Wouldn't that be awesome? But he, he tried to put it in very real terms, and my friend was really irritated. Who is he to say what we should give? But some newer Christians really want to know because they don't know the language or the lingo or everything we know if you've grown up in this system. Because the question is, how do you expect us to answer that? I mean, sure, it's a very private thing for people and what they give. Because as it says in Scripture, each person should determine in his heart what he's to give, and he's supposed to give it joyfully. So I get it. It's a very private thing. But this isn't a new conversation, because Jesus has been talking about this for quite some time. You know, I've been kind of rooted in the Sermon on the Mount, and I'm going to stay there today. Um, It's in Matthew chapter 6, if you want to be there. I'll be going to a couple other passages, but Matthew chapter 6. says this, do not store up for yourself treasures on earth, verse 19, where moths and vermin destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourself treasures in heaven, where moths and vermins do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. See, I think this has always been an issue. Always been an issue, and this is one reason why the sacrificial system was put into place in those in that in that Hebrew culture. Now, when we think of Jewish sacrifice, a lot of times we think of just an animal, but it's more than that. It's kind of difficult to relate to us because we don't really do that. The closest we get is whenever we're some of you kill chickens to have dinner in your backyard, and it's a family event. That's exciting. I've never, I've never done that before, and I'm not looking to start today either, but, so don't offer. Hey, come on over. But we don't know a lot about what that looks like, about that sacrificial system, but, but the one thing you can know is that those animals they had to sacrifice, they couldn't be wild animals. They had to be domestic, which means you have to choose them. Have to be, there has to be some sort of relationship there, and you have to actually let it go. But this isn't something that they just did. This was a part of their life. The sacrificial system was part of of their everyday life. It was part of their worship. So let's go back for just a moment, and let's just imagine, if we will, whenever Jesus was walking the temple courts. I don't have a picture of Jesus walking the temple courts. This is the closest thing I can get to. This is a model that is a representation uh, there in Israel. It's, It's a whole replica. It's pretty neat, but... But just imagine, just for a second, when Jesus was walking through the temple, and it wasn't every day he had the chance to walk through this temple. He didn't live there. He would visit, just like we visit places. And 
And as he's there, imagine people from all around the world are there. They're all around. They're presenting their, their sacrifices to the temple priests, you know, the poor. And those people who were lame were scattered throughout the temple grounds outside of a certain boundary, of course. But they're all around and they're available. And you hear the sounds of birds and sheep and, and cattle. They're muffled only by the conversations that are happening all around. And, and imagine this for a moment. The smell of burning meat would fill the air. You could probably smell it for miles. You know, at times it would be a sweet smell. Kind of probably like the smell at Lynn Bowling's house on game day. Imagine that smell. Ah, it was, it was fragrant. It was pleasing. Because the sacrificial system was a method of worship for the Jewish culture. It was ingrained into who they were. Now the Hebrew word for this idea of sacrifice, there's, there, there's a couple. But it comes from the word korban. This is korbanot. Korbanot. But there's this idea that, that it is an offering. It's a sacrifice. It's an offering. And you remember that, some of you know a lot about the, about the New Testament. You remember this passage whenever he's griping at the Pharisees because they're taking the money that they would use to help their parents. And he says, I know what you're saying. You're saying all that money is Corban. All that money is an offering to God. That's the word this word is, Corban, Corbanot. It's the word offering, and the word means to draw close, to come near. And the Jews during this time, they were required to participate in six sacrifices so that they could draw near, they could come close to God. This is what they are. You have the burnt offering, you have the grain offering, the drink offering, the fellowship or free will offering, the sin offering, and the guilt offering. Now, the first four were for worship. The other two were for forgiveness of sins. Now, the worship sacrifices, oh, they were a pleasing aroma to God. It never really says the sin sacrifices were pleasing. But the first four, those offerings, those sacrifices, what you had to give away, those were pleasing to God. Remember in Leviticus, it says, He shall take out the memorial portion from the grain offering and burn it on the altar as a food offering, an aroma pleasing to the Lord. Leviticus 2. And then Ephesians 5, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love, just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us, an offering and a sacrifice as a fragrant aroma. Now, the average Jewish person here in this day would have full knowledge about these sacrifices. It was ingrained, kind of like the things we take for granted every day. Thanks, Cody, for kind of explaining what we do here. Because there are some people who walk in uh, in our communion and they don't really know what's happening. They may have an, an idea, but they don't know. It's like going, imagine going to a baseball game, never not knowing the lingo. What's a bunt? Sacrifice? Right? If you don't know, then you're kind of out of the loop. Well, most of the Jewish people in this day, they knew the sacrificial system. Now, the burnt offering and the fellowship or the free will offering were voluntary. I'll talk a little bit more about the free will offering next week, um, but not the grain offering. The grain offering was not optional. It was not something um, that you could just skip because it was also known as a first fruits offering. Uh, it was a mixture of your best grain your best oil, 
best incense that you had. And a priest, he would burn a portion of it on the altar. And then out of the, the excess, a little bit of the excess, he would make bread. And they would make bread and they would serve it to all of the poor. In fact, they, out of the excess of the temple, the poor were fed. And there's a lot of needy people around the temple. Imagine, you know, Jesus doing those miracles. There, there were people all around the temple needing help. And the grain, it, it, it served as a reminder that what we have, that the harvest, that those things that grow are not ours. They are from God. So that's what they would do. They would take the first and best of what they had to offer. Anytime that you had a crop, you'd take the first and then you'd present it to God. Now those for religious Jews, those religious Jews, this was a normal part of life because giving and their faith were connected. It wasn't able to be separated. You could not have one without the other. If you didn't give, then you could not be really involved in the holy community. Some, some churches do this even still today. I know the Catholic Church does this. It, you aren't really considered a member or a, parishion, or a parishioner until you give and you're actively giving. So you're, you can still do the things, be involved, but you're not really considered part of the community. It's the same way there with the Jewish culture. But there was one more layer of obligation that these Jewish folks had to endure. Well, they were an occupied state. I mean, these people also had to give tax to the Romans. And if there was a special envoy or a delegation that just happened to pass through your town, you were required to do more. If you had a business, you were re- required to give and to kind of help them along the way. Uh, any Jewish citizen had to at least help an envoy or a special delegation up to a mile's worth. That was the law. So if they needed, if they needed help, they needed carrying things, that they needed you to run alongside their chariot or whatever other uh, vehicle they had, you were required to do that. You had to stop whatever it is you were doing and help them. What did Jesus say? He says, hey, if they ask you to go one mile, go with them two miles. This was a regular part of their life. I have a hard time whenever I ask my kids to do anything. And I'm sure you do too. Imagine saying a whole mile. And Jesus says, do more. This was a part of their everyday life. And so they had obligations to the Romans. They had to give tax to the Romans. And I hate to tell you, nothing that they gave to the Jewish temple treasury was tax deductible. We're kind of in a very fortunate time now. But giving to these people were a sign of faith and gratitude to God. And I think the sacrifice is still still rooted in our faith and our gratitude as well. Even probably more now than it ever was. And the question I've been asking myself this week is, how do I show my faith and gratitude to God? How do we express our faith? Is it just through our words? I'm not saying just. The words are important. Does it stop there? I mean, this is more than a conversation on budget today. This is is much deeper than that. I believe this is a conversation about what we believe God can do with the best that we have to offer. But it is also about how God's using our offerings each week. And I know some people have questions, and I know some people actually have stopped giving to certain churches because they don't trust the people in charge. 
or they see them do this or that, and they're like, well, I don't agree with that. We don't really investigate. We just see the appearances, and we get irritated, and so we kind of hold back. You know, I know that some people held back um, because of all this instability here. Some people said, well, I'll start giving whenever they get a new preacher. I get it, because you don't really know what's happening with the money. And some of that's it's, it's a whole idea of trust and faith. I've been there. In fact, there was one moment when we were going to a church when we were young, and, and I remember that we'd been going there for like nine or ten months, and no one knew us. It was a small church, maybe 75 people. And one guy, he came up to us, and he, he handed us his check, this check. And I go, hey. And he goes, yeah, fix that what here fix that and I looked at it and I didn't sign it oh okay and that really made me mad (laughs) you know what I did I went I'll fix it and I put in my pocket and we we walked away was that right (laughs) probably not but I get it I know because some people we don't necessarily tie our giving to our faith sometimes we think it's obligation we think it's something that we just have to do because they need money I want us to think a little deeper than that this year. This is more than that. Because those things that we give to, it really is a representation of those things that we love. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. There's a book by Jamie Smith. It's called You Are What You Love. And I believe... That if we were to look at where our money goes, we'd see those things that are really important to us. Especially those things that we just allow to be taken out of our account each and every week without a thought. This is hard to talk about. Because I have done that. When it comes to church giving, I think, okay, well, what am I going to do? How much do I just blindly let go through my account? Things I'm investing in that I don't really think about. But there are questions. I know people have questions about where our money goes and what happens. And and, and I know a lot of you love to to pour over line items, okay? Especially looking at the budget where each dollar goes. That's not really what we're going to do today. But it's available for you. But what I wanted to do for the next couple of minutes, that's why we have this table here, is I wanted to bring Brian Elliott up. Uh, Brian lives... Come on, Brian lives inside our budget each and every day. <laughs> he and Mitch, they live there. You know, they're looking at it. They're great stewards. And some people love to do that. Um, in fact, do y'all want to go and pass those out? We've got some sheets for you that I really want you to look through. You can take a look at it if you want, take it home, really pour into it. But I wanted to kind of bring Brian up. Let's have a seat by this nice table with flowers. <laughs> we wanted to make this a little more homey for you. But I do have some questions, um, questions that I've been asking myself, and, and I figured I'd just go to the source, right? How long have you been here at this church? Uh, 30, years. 30 years. That's a long time. Yeah. <laughs> so you probably know much better than any of us, you know, what the state of our finances are and have been for the last several. Okay, so, so th- this is my question. This is funny um, because some people have misconceptions about about giving so could you just tell me what are some of the biggest misconceptions that you've seen or heard um, i think one and actually this sheet is a little deceiving but one is that uh there, there's 
description is that all the money goes to pay staff. Okay. Uh, which is, it, that's, I mean, a lot of it does, but, but that's not, um, I, I, divide, I divide us up into three categories as far as staff is concerned. Uh, the main campus, which is these two buildings, uh, and 35% of our budget goes to uh, staff and uh, taking care of this place. 14% goes to Rush Creek uh, to take care of all that staff over there, and then 8% is down at the campuses. Okay. So um, another one, just like you were saying, that uh, you know we don't trust for the, what's being done with the money. Yeah, yeah. But I think one thing here is we've always been very open. Something that I've not done as good a job as I would like, but is is just keeping you guys aware of, of our financial situations. Um, but uh, um, but anytime, anytime you have a question, we're very open. You come and ask. Nobody's. We don't have anything to hide. It's very, very transparent as far as our finances go. And I think one last one is that uh, some of us, or some people, tend to have this idea that it's optional to give. Um, and uh, I, I really don't think that's the case. I just, I think, just like you were saying, it, 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 it is an act of worship. It's a discipline. It's something that we are required to do, not necessarily because. Uh, I know that in our language, it's there's this tr- traditional separate and apart, mm-hmm. you know, from the Lord's Supper, and a lot of times we think of that meaning as separate and apart, really from worship itself. Um, I would I would agree with you that this is something that is it's not really optional, no. because well, there's there's a lot more to it. So. So whenever you think about the ways that we have handled the money in the past, what are some of the most creative things that we've done as a church with the funds that we've been given? Um, oh, well, there you go. Well, well, let's I, try that. I, 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 I thought, you know, y'all remember two years ago when, when things weren't all that good and, and uh, talked about uh, setting a few tax? <laughs> Hey, there you go. Um, no, you know, one thing, and I, and I went back and, and That's funny. in our records, and, and uh, of course, we, any, anytime there's a, there's a, uh, a special need, uh, I mean, this church just pours out. Oh, yeah. You know, just yeah. a couple of years ago, um, we were made aware, Jennifer actually made us aware of a situation in Africa. This young girl had been burned. She'd been in the hospital for a long time, needed some money to pay bills, and then to get her some care. Uh, asked for ten thousand dollars, and I mean, just like that, fifteen grand came in. Wow! So, uh, but back in two thousand ten, th- this is this is this is cool. In two thousand ten, our budget was almost one point two million, and we outgave that budget by two and a half percent. So wow! We gave, we gave over and above what we what we needed, if you will. Uh, we paid uh, almost three hundred sixteen thousand dollars on our family center. Which remember we paid off in seven years, so that was awesome. Huh. Uh, we gave eighty three hundred to the Haiti Relief Fund. That was when that big uh, yeah the earthquake came, uh-huh. came through. Um, we uh, we gave six thousand to to our kids eat program, which hmm. is a summer feeding program that we were involved with in as well. Uh, and we spent fifteen thousand dollars on blessed to be a blessing. Wow. So uh, I mean that was just an exception. Yeah. You know it just just it, 
Yeah. So as far as as far as um, what what we've tried to do, because it's our culture is changing, and so so a lot of people they don't have checks anymore. And and I know that we we had talked about, especially in your class, you talked about creative ways to give. So what are what are some of those specifically? Um, whenever we talked about that in our class. Right. Yeah, I'm going to come back to that investment idea in just a little bit. But but tell me real quick, what are some what are some things that we some costs that we have as Johnson Street that other churches may not necessarily have? Um, well, two of the big ones are, uh, I would say, Rush Street and uh, Christian campuses. Yeah, uh, I don't. I'm not aware of any churches our size that uh, fully support uh, two ministries. Right, and we're we're going to be talking about missions in the month of March, um, so we're gonna we're gonna get there because they do a lot, and they have they have their fingers in some 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 significant ministries. But but these two ministries that we support, Rust Street and the Campus Center, these are these are world and life changing ministries. And a lot of I know we may think because we don't see them every day, yeah, that's something we do. But um, these are huge ministries. Because if you, if you take though those people that we have helped at Rust Street over the years, we have, there's been some significant transformation of lives through that ministry. Spiritually and economically, there's, I'm sure that there's, there's, they point them into directions of training and helping. And, and, but our campus center, man, and I, I've been telling Doug, we've been talking about this. You know, Doug, Doug and, and, uh, and Jerrica, they're, they're doing some kingdom transformation work over there. Because if you really do, it says transforming campus, you, you see that. But if you really transform the campus, you're going to transform the world. These are huge. And so you're saying a third of our budget goes to, to those ministries. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. So, so here, daily costs to kind of run our facility, those things that, you know, because a lot of people will think, hey, this is a big building. You know, do we need that much space? What, is that, what exactly do we do here? throughout the week.
communion every Sunday with the, the supplies, $32 a Sunday. Nice. Um, $3,500 a month for property, liability insurance, uh, the bulletin that you get. And then these are, this is not including man hours, it's just, it's right. just the, the supplies. It's $10 a Sunday to print those bulletins. But, but you know, there's something going on here every day of the week. We have, of course, we're here on Sundays and Wednesdays. Uh, ladies Bible class, the mom's group on Tuesday, Sunshine School, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Uh, the office is open, you know, 8 to 5, Monday through Friday. Um, there, these buildings, or that building for sure, is used uh, daily for uh, uh, little leagues. And actually the homeschool association now does it. And it's, some of them pay a little, a, a small fee. Uh, but uh, that's become the homeschool association because they play all the volleyball games and basketball games. Yeah. And the little league teams practice in there in the evening. Um, SAISD uses that building for a lot of things. Yeah. ASU uses that building for a lot of things. So there, there's a lot. You know, it's not just the building that sets empty during, you know, the rest of the time. It's, we're not empty. Right. So whenever people had this vision and they built this center, it wasn't just a self-serving vision. I mean, this is literally a community place. Correct. Yes. So who oversees all this? Just you? No. You? Alone? <laughs> Uh-huh. That sort of you know helps us uh, set the budget and uh, uh, kind of keeps track of it, reviews things. Um, every month I submit a financial uh, statement or financial update. I guess Gina gives me the information. Uh, I, I submit that to the elders and uh, to the finance committee so that we can keep track of uh, you know how our spending is, what our revenue is. Um, Gina's our bookkeeper. She tracks everything. She's the one that writes all the checks. Right. Uh, so Mitch and I are the only, well, not the only two, but the primary ones that do sign checks. Anything over a thousand dollars requires two signatures. Yes, it does. By the way, <laughs> just. <laughs> um, but uh, so we we and, and uh, that, I think two or three years ago we had somebody come in from uh, uh, all the way to Wotech, which is uh, the accounting firm that we use, and uh, kind of did a, an internal audit uh-huh. just to make sure that we were doing everything the way it needed to be done. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I've seen how you and Mitch, and I've seen how the elders, they, they're invested in this. You know, I've seen them struggle, and, and I've seen them really talk through some of these things. So, so talking about that word invested, um, talk a little bit about that as far as how important is it that just this idea of participation in what we do here, how important is that? Yeah, yeah. But um, an investment, by definition, is that I'm, I'm, I'm investing with, the, with some kind of desire to get something in return. There's yeah. There's going to be, at some point, there's going to be a dividend. Well, I think the main difference between, you know, your personal IRA or 401k is, is that, yeah, we, we get a dividend every week. We, we get fed, you know, spiritually. We, we 
Anytime we come together and, and, and have fellowship with each other, that's great. Uh, but also think we're investing in, in the lives of our of our teens, we're investing yeah. in the lives of our children. Um, I, I always, I, I, I don't know how many of you have seen the commercial about the United Negro College Fund that talks about uh, the scholarship that's available, and then you'll have this young kid come on at the very end who's a, a college graduate and he'll say, I am your dividend. So, you know, we, uh, yeah, we do a lot of things that, that uh, you know, have a lot of fun, but UBS, you know, there's a whole lot of kids that come in from the community mm-hmm. that, and some of them, their parents are just looking for a place to babysit them, but, you know, we're investing in their lives. Yeah. We're, we're uh, giving them God. So, yeah. Um, and we need not just money to do that, we need manpower. Of course, right. that's another thing that church is great at. We, we're kind of known as the uh, last minute uh, to sign up for such a bit. That's right. That's right. Well, thank you very much for that. And uh, I'm going to go and let you sit down. You know, um, investment is a big word here. And I think you're right. There are things that we invest in or that we pay uh, into each and every week or month that we're not really invested in. I mean, if that were the case, how many of us would be sitting pretty with Netflix right now? There are things that we just will pay because those are the things that we love. But investment in this church family will have far-reaching dividends. I mean, just look at where we are right now from people who in the 60s and 50s and 40s invested everything into this place. Their time, their attention, their families. We are reaping the benefits of those people who have come before. We talked about legacy last year. But it's such a huge word. And I think this is important because given to the lights or the AC, it's not exciting. A lot of times we just want to give to something that's meaningful. And those are good. But there's something about ongoing participation in what our church is doing that will affect not only us, but our kids, our children's children. So I'm going to leave you with three things today. Three things that I think are important to just kind of chew on for the week. Number one, we give to remind ourselves that what we have is from God and not merely from our own effort. We all know that things could change in a moment. What we have is purely from God. So the question is, do we give God the first fruits from what He has given us? Number two, we give because it is the way to freedom. You know, if we're hanging on to things so tightly, it's hard to move very fast or very far because soon everything you hang on to is going to root you in one place and you will be unable to move. Remember, this is one of my favorite quotes. Spiritual maturity is on the path of letting things go because once you release, there is freedom there because if we don't seek to we don't release things we're going to be enslaved by them that's all there is to it number three we give because it connects us both with the mission and with the community of god we cannot be passive christians while we're giving of those things that are most important to us we can't be passive participants in a community when we're actively involved in that community giving gives us purpose investment makes that purpose 
Something that's not only for here and now, but something that is to come. Something we may not even experience. But our kids, our children, our families, they may. So what I'm going to ask you to do this next week is to pray and consider very seriously and carefully what your purpose is going to be in your finances with us this next year. Next week is Purpose Sunday. And that's when we're going to be collecting purpose cards. I don't know if we have them here today. Um, we'll have them next Sunday. And it's, it's going to be a moment where I, I'm excited about what God's going to do for us. God's come through every year since we've been here. And I don't think he's going to stop. Because people have been actively participating. So please, I'm going to ask you to prayerfully consider how you are going to invest in the church family here. God is doing some great things. Our reach has only just begun. Let's stand together. If you need prayer, if you need to pray for one of our elders, they'll be around. Shelly and I will be down here. We would love to pray with you. Let's sing together.